More money than ever before has been poured into preparing New Zealand athletes for next month's London Olympics. But will that investment provide this country with its biggest ever medal haul? Radio New Zealand's Insight explores whether the targeted funding process of picking winners and losers will pay off. Come on, Jack! My God, he's done it. Jack, come on! Low block wins! In my fourth jump, I managed 20 feet 5 and 3 quarters, which gave me first place. There have been many memorable moments for New Zealand athletes at the Olympics, but only three times has the nation's medal hall reached double figures. In Los Angeles in 1984, Seoul in 88, and Barcelona four years later in 1992. A target of 10 medals plus has been set for the New Zealand team competing at the upcoming London Olympics. That goal follows the relatively recent introduction of targeted funding and a 50% increase in government funding for elite sport, which has risen from $40 million to over $60 million in the past three years. I'm Stephen Hewson, and this insight investigates whether this targeted funding approach will prove a winner, and what it means for the haves and have-nots in top-level sport in New Zealand. Disappointing medal halls at the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and the 2004 Athens Games provided the impetus to establish the current funding structure. In 2006, Spark, the government's sport funding agency, now known as Sport New Zealand, announced a special group that would become targeted sports. The select few would receive 75% of the available high-performance funding. The Chief Executive of Sport New Zealand, Peter Miskimmon, explains why the Olympic sports of athletics, cycling, rowing, swimming, triathlon and sailing, along with rugby, netball and cricket, were chosen as the nine targeted sports. There was lots of athletes that we were, we were focusing on, but probably too many. We had too many athletes in that system, so it was then around how do we rationalise that, which is then the decision came to look, let's target, let's target, identify uh, where we want to put our focus, where we want to put our dollars, based on, on, on performance and, and potential, and that's where the, uh, the, the nine targeted sports came from. Peter Miskimmon believes that focus has led to better results. If you look at the incremental improvement from Athens through to um, Beijing, from five medals to nine, if we look at that in, in, in a percentage increase terms uh, against our competitors in the world, we were third in the world. The only two other countries that beat us in incremental improvement from Athens through to Beijing um, was Kenya, uh, who won every middle distance event, and the other was Jamaica, that won every other Thing on the on the track in terms of sprint, uh, and now we look at London. Um, you know, this time before Beijing, we had nine athletes uh, in the top three in the world. Today, we have 22. So again, the next four years on, that system and that targeting has been able to produce, hopefully, uh, a pool of athletes that are now competing at the top level, top three of their discipline in the world, and hopefully they can pull the trigger on the day in London and and uh, and do really well and and, and be very successful for us. In 2006, Sport New Zealand set itself the goal of playing a part in ensuring New Zealand was reigning world champion in cricket, netball and rugby by 2012. With rugby the only one of those three sports to have delivered, much is now riding on Sport New Zealand's goal of 10 or more medals in London.
We are doing better now on the international stage than we ever have been before and we'd be really disappointed if we didn't get 10 medals or more and we're optimistic about a really good performance. And only on the balance of that um, and, and after we've you know, considered the performances and our, and, our, and our overall success can we really then take stock of what the, what the future will be and to review that targeting approach not only to sports but also the growth of the high performance system. At a time when most government budgets are being cut, the Sports Minister, Murray McCulley, says high-performance sport is in a privileged position. We see this as a one-off opportunity to try and create uh, a world-class set of facilities for our athletes so that despite our size and remoteness, we're able to send our people off to international competition knowing that they've got preparation opportunities that are as good as anybody else in the world. It's a big statement too about uh, what it does for our country. I think uh, we need some things to motivate us at a time like this and we think sport's one of those things. So my job has been to hold a significant increase in sporting funding through a time of uh, economies for most uh, sectors. It'll be the end of this parliamentary term before uh, people are talking about bigger budgets anywhere. But I think the scope for us in sport, particularly at the high performance end, is to find more partnerships to get more uh, commercial sponsors on, on board. That's possible been an area where we've underworked uh, the territory in the past. Funding for Rowing New Zealand's high performance program based at Lake Karapiro has increased from $1 million in the 2004-05 financial year to almost $6 million for the current year. Peter Muskimmon says with four crews currently world champions, it's proof the targeted approach is working. In Athens, they had 11 athletes that went. Uh, in Beijing, they had something like 17 athletes. Well, at the moment, they've uh, announced 27 athletes. So the size of their program has grown. Uh, and you'd say, well, so is their dollar. Uh, and it has. We are increasing uh, and investing more. But rowing don't just choose people to turn up. They choose people that are likely to, to compete and win. And so what we're saying now is we have nearly over 30 athletes uh, in the rowing program that have an opportunity of being successful and being on the podium in, in, in uh, London. Compared to eight years ago, they had 11. So I think that just shows you the growth of the target investment in a sport like rowing. And look, you know, Carapero is world class. Um, by any measure, you go up there. When you arrive at the High Performance Centre at rowing, you know you're in a world-class, high-performance environment. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a chillness to the air uh, when you walk in there to know that these guys are serious. And 24-7, they're you know, they athletes that are trying to you know, produce results for New Zealand and be world-class. So you know, I think we've got that formula right, and, and bike would give you the same sense of confidence, and we're starting to build that with some of those other targeted sports as well. Make sure the outside just throw our water a little bit. All the finishing round. Pico to go. Get that finish flowing. The rhythm. You hear it? There's no such thing as an Olympic certainty, but rowers Hamish Bond and Eric Murray are as close as it gets in the pairs event. The two-time world champions have dominated their field for the past couple of years. So much so, in fact, that their closest rivals, Great Britain, have withdrawn from the pair for London to compete instead in a four. Bond says the increase in funding has played a large part in that. To have just probably turned from amateur, I guess, to semi-professional in a way. Um, we're able to train full-time. Um, we've got a far more resources than what we used to have as far as facility, not only facilities, um, 
gear, as in our training gear, um, oars, boats, etc., um, and also support services. You know, we've got a physio on site most most days, but when we've got you know 20 to 30 people around here most of the time, um, and and I think the rowing program probably runs on the policy that if you don't have um, three or four people injured at any one time, we're probably not training hard enough. So. Um, it just necessitates having those support services around just to keep it running, um, otherwise we'll all probably fall over. Eric Murray has been involved in rowing New Zealand's high-performance programme for the past 11 years and says there's little comparison between now and when he first joined. He accepts the sport's in a privileged position. Us as athletes have been the ones wanting to get the results, really pushing ourselves um, to be the best in the world, um, and because we've been doing that, of course, then everything just steamrolls from there and yes, Row New Zealand can go and ask for more money um, and it's probably going to be well received by Sport New Zealand. You look at it now that this is a job, it's a career. Um, well, I've been in here for 11 years now and, and sort of probably five of those years were a bit tough, like really tough. Um, and then now since I guess 2005, 2006, everything's really ramped up um, to provide funding for crews, um, for athletes. And, and that's really seen, I think, the longevity of people in the sports um, increase. And so, you know, look, I'm in my 30s now. I think I'm in my prime, um, you know, and, and hey, I, I think there's another Olympic cycle in me. So with this sort of uh, funding and support that goes on, um, people can do it right into their 30s as long as they've got the attitude and drive to do it. As for the expectation that they simply need to turn up in London to win... Murray says the public expectation pales in comparison as to what they expect from themselves, even with the British crew pulling out. Everyone says, oh, you know, you're going to win, you're going to win, and it's like, yeah, well, we, we want to win. Um, and I guess that's what we say to ourselves every day is, you know, let's train so that we can win on the day. Um, you know, if we were probably in their position getting second all the time, we'd probably reevaluate where the best chance of getting the gold medal was, and that's what they've done. So we're just, we're just going to go through in a reasonably long aerobic warm-up, mixing it up with all the strokes. Then I want to go into fairly mixed-up session tonight. We're going to do some aerobic kick work and also arms-only pull work, but also some power. If rowing is the poster boy of targeted funding, then swimming is the problem child. It's 16 years since New Zealand last won an Olympic medal in the pool. Coming down with about 25 metres to go. Daniel Loder has a good lead. Borges of Brazil coming up on him. Daniel Loder. Daniel Loder with about 10 metres to go. Daniel Loder touches gold medal to New Zealand. Not only has there been a lack of Olympic success, the sport has been in administrative turmoil recently, with many of Swimming New Zealand's regions in open revolt against the national body. The Swimming New Zealand administration is set to be overhauled in the wake of an independent review. Funding for high-performance swimming has increased from $750,000 in 2004 to almost $2 million today. But hopes aren't high the middle drought will come to an end. All right, we're ready. We're going to start on the top. All right, just stretch out to begin with. Right, get, your, get your feel right in the water. Uh, make sure you're working your dolphin kicks off the walls, streamlining off the walls. Six fly kicks underwater up each wall. All right, off you go. Gary Hurring is a former Olympian and now coaches Commonwealth Games swimming silver medalist Gareth Keane. He says comparing the likes of swimming to the success that rowing's had is unfair. If we got a medal, I think that would rank as success. Um, to me personally, 
uh, if all our swimmers did best times and we stepped up into several swimmers into finals um, and we got up there and mixed it up with the best in the world and top eight in the world, uh, if we get you know, several of those finals, um, quite a few semi-finals, then anything can happen. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but we want to get into those finals. And if we can do that, I think we're representing New Zealand very well. I suppose so. the public look at it and do want to see medals, don't they? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that is the reality of the situation. They want the medals, but you know, hopefully they can realise how difficult they are in a, in a truly world, worldwide sport such as swimming. It's a bit like um, soccer or something like that. There's over 200 countries competing in the Olympics for swimming as opposed to other sports. Rowing, I think, has 30 or 40 countries. Um, you know, the, it's a very, very tough game that we're playing. Gary Hurring also doubts there's an appreciation of the difference in the level of competition from sport to sport. People view medals as medals. And, um, and no, it's not something that's actively advertised out there that some sports are tougher than others. And we don't want to be making excuses. We're not, we're not that sort of a sport. We're not up there saying, hey, look, we're, it's tougher for us. Um, it, you know, it, it is a reality, but it's not something we want to fall back on. Given the lack of medals swimming's provided in the past three Olympics, Hurring's understandably nervous about the sport's financial future at the top level. But even if New Zealand swimmers fail to win a medal, swimming appears to be safe among the targeted sports. High Performance Sport New Zealand is a subsidiary of Sport New Zealand and was established last year to take over the funding of high performance sport. Its chief executive is Alex Bauman, who won two gold medals for Canada in the pool at the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. He's run high performance programs for Australian swimming and worked for the Canadian Olympic Committee on their Road to Excellence program trying to boost Canada's Olympic medal hall. We have to take a look at, at swimming, there, there's no doubt. I was um, buoyed by, by the fact that um, the Olympic trials uh, were positive. You know, I could see uh, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think, you know, depending on what our overall objective is in terms of the number of medals that we want to achieve in, in 2016 and, and 2020, we, we do have to take a look at each sport critically and if they're not performing well, then determine what are the reasons why they're, they're not performing. But I will always go down to the fact is, you know, what athletes do they have in the system um, and what the potential of those athletes are. Well, you know, you hope that they'll get a medal, but uh, it may not be a medal in, in 2012, but possibly in, in 2016. So we do have to do that analysis. One of the challenges certainly we have is that, uh, you know, both uh, sports like athletics and, and swimming, they're multi-medal sports. And, um, you know, uh, there's plenty of opportunities there. So if you can get the structure right, if you can get the right coaches and strengthen the clubs and have a good national training centre, then there, there are some opportunities there. So those are kinds of things that we need to take a look at. Although in saying that, presumably you've got... 200 odd nations competing in swimming, yep. whereas you've got 30 or 40 yeah, yeah. in rowing, and rowing's a multi medal sport too. So, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, exactly. So, you have to, you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, believe in, in uh, picking uh, the, the lowest hanging fruit, but I mean, sometimes that, that is uh, an area that you have to go to where you can be uh, successful and where there's a history of success in the country and, and where there's a culture of success in the country as well. So, you have to take that into, into account. While swimming may be feeling somewhat nervous about its future funding with the London Games just around the corner, 
tennis isn't. Sport New Zealand is not only in the process of picking winners, it's also effectively picking losers. There is funding for those sports not among the targeted group, but the amount available is severely reduced. Tennis is not one of the favoured few, and the chief executive of New Zealand Tennis, Steve John, says it's having an impact. He says the loss of New Zealand women's number two, Sasha Jones, to Australia earlier this year is a prime example. With an Australian father, Jones, who's ranked 274th in the world, is eligible to represent Australia, and under their system receives much more support. Tennis is different. You know, it is truly a global sport. Um, you know, to be inside the top 100 in tennis is a massive achievement for any tennis player around the world. And another thing we say is that, um, you know, they, they continually look at the sort of top 20 in the world, top 16 type thing in terms of getting funding. But if we, had a ten, if we have a tennis player who's inside the top 20 in the world, they don't need funding from, from us or High Performance Sport New Zealand because they'll be earning several hundred thousand, if not millions of dollars a year. So where we need the funding is to, to get the players from that sort of ranking of three or 400 in the world to push them up inside the 200 uh, where they can actually start earning some money. And then once they get inside the top 100, they're, they're sort of on their own financially anyway. Steve John says tennis is a truly international sport and that needs to be taken into account. We don't want to take anything away from, um, you know, from athletes and other sports and then going out and winning gold medals for New Zealand. But you know, look at what Michael Campbell did when he won the US Open in golf. I mean, that was just a worldwide um, sensation and was absolutely fantastic for New Zealand. If we could get a player, a tennis player, into a Grand Slam final or win a Grand Slam or win an Olympic gold medal, you know, they, there would definitely be more worldwide publicity for New Zealand than, say, winning a, a rowing gold medal or a bike gold medal. No question of that at all. The New Zealand Olympic Committee is responsible for selecting and managing New Zealand teams at the Olympics. Its membership is made up of 57 sports, but no more than a quarter of those sports will have New Zealand representatives at the Games. The organisation's Secretary-General, Karen Smith, concedes she has concerns about the targeted funding approach. It's going to be really interesting to see how the sports that have had the greatest investment, how they do deliver. Um, not only in terms of medals, but in terms of top eights and what that looks like for the future. So that's a really important indicator. Um, I guess as time unfolds as well, it will be interesting to see the sports that are not part of that targeted regime. You know, my sense of it, if, if the targeting process continues, we'll see, you know, higher level results from fewer sports and possibly fewer sports being, um, you know, in the Olympic domain from New Zealand. And, and as a membership organisation for us, that raises some really interesting challenges. Which are? Well, the challenges around that are that, um, you know, athletes from New Zealand may qualify to, to participate in the Olympic Games according to their international criteria. However, in New Zealand, um, over you know, recent history, the New Zealand Olympic Committee, in agreement with the national sports, has decided to have and implement a standard-based selection process. What that means essentially is you have to be at least capable of being in the top 16 in the world to be selected in the team for the Games. If you're an individual or if you're a team, you need to be able to demonstrate capability of getting to the quarterfinals or second round. So inherently, that means that a number of athletes that qualify may not be selected. And with that comes degrees of anxiety, um, questions about why the, that rationale. 
Um, and so for, for us as an organisation, it's really about our members and their aspiration to have athletes performing on in the international stage. Karen Smith says that means some sports may simply have to realise the Olympics are beyond their reach. I can't say it's been, it hasn't been tense necessarily, it's been, it's difficult. Sports are challenged by the fact that mentally they agree with the standard and they buy into that they do the standards process with us. However, when, it, when the rubber hits the road and it comes about does an athlete get nominated or not, that's when it's very challenging for us all. So I think there's a sense at the moment that, yeah, this is, this is really tough, these standards are tough, and I think there's a sense that if athletes aren't represented, that it's unfortunate for their sport. However, people are respectful for the fact that that's what we've all agreed to. There's conversations now, I think, around, well, what does this really mean for us in the long term? Um, I do have a real sense, however, that we do need to refocus that for those sports around success in the Commonwealth Games environment. And uh, I know that that's a real aspiration for those sports like gymnastics, like shooting. Having battled to get New Zealand number one, Marina Arakovic selected for the London Games, Steve Johns has shown giving up on a place at the Olympics is not something Tennis New Zealand is prepared to accept. We're not sitting there with our hand out saying we want the two, three, four million dollars a year like some of the other big Olympic sports. But for a sport like tennis, you know, half a million dollars a year or a million dollars a year for those transitional players who clearly have shown that they've got the ability to be, say, a top 150 player in the world, to be able to have some funding to give them the ability to do everything that they possibly can to achieve that goal is really what we're asking for. And when we look at our... Um, our very top tennis players, you know, it's a it's an incredibly tough lifestyle for them. They're out, they're overseas for eight or nine months a year, living out of a out of hotels, playing tournament after tournament, with virtually no financial assistance from Tennis New Zealand because we don't have the money to support them. So they're they're scratching around, winning five hundred dollars here or a thousand dollars here. So at some point, they sit there and go, well, I've been trying this for two or three or four or five years, and I haven't been able to break through. So what else is, what other options are available for me? And they actually never get an, an opportunity to try and realise their full potential. Where if we had a bit of money behind us to be able to say, well, we can give you the opportunity to get out there and try and realise your full potential, I absolutely believe that we would have players inside the top 200 who would then be able to springboard off that into, say, the top 100, and then who knows from there. While the middle tally will determine whether or not targeted funding is succeeding, High Performance Sport New Zealand Chief Executive Alex Bauman says winning medals won't assure a sport that future funding is guaranteed as sports can't be solely focused on one event. We need to have two overarching goals. One is performances at the next pinnacle event, whether that's World Championships or, or Olympics, Paralympics. But the second thing is how do you build a sustainable system that uh, can get repeatable results? And I think if you're a a top performing country in high performance and I think you have to have those two elements it's not just a, a one one showing at, at a particular game so it's a difficult balance because I think you don't want to compromise, compromise the results for the next pinnacle event uh, but making sure that you take care of development and have some talent identification and development in there as, as well is it, it's important. I think the challenge that we have in New Zealand is that there's been quite a lot of success in the last three or four years, and success is a is a double-edged sword because um, 
when you have more athletes at, at, at the international level, and obviously the cost of the program goes up significantly, and that's what's happened with rowing and, and with Bike New Zealand as, as well. So the cost of the programs go up. Um, it, it's a good thing, but um, again, uh, it, it challenges you to go a little bit deeper into the system. The phrase deeper into the system indicates cuts in other areas are on the way. To keep the High Performance Sport New Zealand targeted funding program on track, Alex Bauman is considering tighter restrictions for performance enhancement grants or PEGs. These make up a quarter of the high performance funding budget and go to sports not among the targeted group. We're too wide right now. I, I don't think it's sustainable. I think that going from $4 million to $7.3 million in a, in a relative, relatively short time is, is difficult and, and it's not sustainable on our budget. Um, if pegs continue to go up, then I would have to take money out of programs and that's not something that we want to do. So the targeted funding approach is here to stay and may well get more targeted over time, a situation Sports Minister Murray McCulley is satisfied with. Look, it's tough. There's no denying that. Uh, and I know that it's something that's on their minds at the moment. They are actively in a conversation about um, you know, whether they need to be more focused about what they're doing. And I've said good luck, guys, but there will be people who will be disappointed and there's no, no way around that. So come London, if we get six, seven medals, it's not going to be a case of finger-pointing and saying there was ten were promised. I've made it very clear to um, to Alex Bowman and to the uh, board uh, at um, Sport New Zealand that I wouldn't try and ask for any uh, hard and fast targets from central government's point of view. I think that's asking for trouble. But I, I do say that um, there's a rigorous process after every major competition of that sort to look at what lessons can be learned. Um, we'll certainly expect that to take place and we'll certainly expect um, uh, that to take place against the background of the significant investment that's taking place at the moment so that we're not just asking ourselves what more can we do, I think we're asking ourselves um, how can we make sure that we use the extra facilities and the extra services that we've got so that we actually do improve as much as possible uh, between London and Rio. So no apparent recriminations even if New Zealand athletes don't win 10 medals in London even though more medals on the world stage is Sport New Zealand's mantra. A recent medal forecast by international accounting firm PwC suggests fewer medals will be the reality. It predicts New Zealand will only win seven medals, two less than the nine won in Beijing four years ago. But history suggests New Zealand athletes generally take little notice of medal predictions and are quite happy to be underrated. Ferguson, they go to the finish line. New Zealand, New Zealand, Romania, New Zealand have done gold. They've done it. New Zealand, big champion and gold medalist representing New Zealand, Daniel Loder. I'm Stephen Hewson, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radioNZ.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Dominic Godfrey and William Saunders.